Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Sorta Awesome. I'm your host, Meg Teets. I am so happy to be joined today by our books and reading specialist, Katie Proctor. Katie, it has been way too long since you have been here telling us all about what is good in books and reading, but I'm assuming that you've been keeping your reading life going even when you're not here to talk about it, right? (laughs) Absolutely. So many books. My bookshelves are overflowing. Right. Doesn't it feel like this year, we're going to be talking books and reading. You probably know if you hit play on this episode, you know, we're talking about what we've been reading lately and what we've been loving in books lately. And I was telling you before we started recording strangely, my list are all 2023 releases. And Katie, I have to tell you, I'm like never up that much on the current releases. Are you kind of feeling like this is a good book year too? Yeah, mine are 100% 2023 releases also. So I was double checking that last night because I was like, I wonder if mine are and they are. So such a good year for books. It really is. And it's so funny and so unusual. I almost always have a few that I've, you know, been meaning to get around to, I finally get around to, you know, from the past couple of years. But this year, oh my goodness, it seems like no matter what genre of books you're into, there's a bunch of good stuff out there. So, so much much good stuff. So we are just going to be kind of talking about what we've picked up lately. We're inspired by our dear friends over at the Currently Reading Podcast to just talk about what we've been (laughs) currently reading this year. And what we've been into lately. So we've got a little bit of everything for you guys. Katie has a fantastic list. I've brought a few that I have been checking out. We'll be talking audiobooks. We'll be talking in-print books. We'll be talking all genres, something for everyone on our list of current reads for us right now. And hopefully it inspires you as we get into this more cozy time of year when people are looking for new books to pick up or maybe even books to give as gifts. Maybe we'll inspire you with our list today here on Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes, to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. If you have been looking for a community of women who will support you no matter what age or stage of life you're in, no no matter what hobbies you have or what things that you're into or what your book interests are, you know that we are here for you here is sort of awesome and truly the magic of the community. Yes, it is inspired by the podcast, but leave your podcast app and come over and join us in one of our social media communities because that's where the real magic is. Come and find us on Facebook in the sort of awesome hangout where we have almost 6,000 women who are 
coming together daily to support each other through all kinds of things in life, especially it's crazy to say it, Katie, but the holidays, they are coming. They are around the corner. (laughs) They are. It's so hard to believe it, but it's true. And the holidays are a time when we definitely see a big uptick in conversations in the hangout where people are asking holiday specific questions, everything from gift recommendations or, you know, asking for like ideas. What do I get for my teenage nephew who's 15 and hates the world (laughs) (laughs) to, you know, a little bit more serious things like how do I navigate this family dynamic over Mm -hmm. the holidays and all kinds of stuff. So that happens in the hangout group on Facebook. Also on Instagram at Sword Awesome Show, we're always trying to bring you a little extra awesome to your Instagram feed. So come and find us there. Katie, I know we have so much book talk to get into and we are always like trying to, when we, I feel like when we get together to talk books, we're always trying to like, okay, you know, we got to make it fast because we've got so much to cover. <laughs> There's just so much good stuff. So much. So much good stuff. Before we start this show, let's go ahead and start it the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. Awesome of the week is the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever's making life just a little more awesome right now. It could be a book, but it could also be some music, a TV show, a podcast, a product, an app, whatever's making life a little extra gold sparkly right now. So Katie, what do you have for us this week? Okay, so I have a TV show and you should know something about me and TV, first of all, okay. is that I don't watch a lot of it, which is why I read so much. Mm-hmm. But When I watch a TV show, I want it to be all the way out and I want it to be not too many seasons and I want it to be doable to finish, right? Because I just like to take it all in one big gulp. Just marathon right through it. Yes. yes. So this show is called Sex Education and it's on Netflix. And it's British. I think the British people are doing the best TV right now. I don't like Uh, nobody else is doing better TV. So the main character's name is Otis. He's in high school at this. It's kind of like a private school. I'm not sure how schools work in England, but. It's a high school and his mom is a sex therapist and runs her therapy clinic out of his house. Yes. And he accidentally one day gives this popular kid some sex advice. Like he was complaining about something that happened with his girlfriend and he gives out this advice. And so this other girl kind of sees an opportunity and she's like, hey, let's start a business. So we'll get people to come and you'll give them sex advice and you'll be the sex therapist. And so they start this endeavor. They meet in this like really disgusting closed down bathroom that's full of asbestos. And like that's the place where people go to hang out on free periods because they're teenagers. So yes, that's the setup. So there's four seasons. And of course, you know, things happen and change along the way. But there's eight one hour episodes in each season. So it's totally a doable show. But you just love these people. And what I love about this show is all of the sex positivity that goes into it now. I know that can be kind of controversial because we're talking about teenagers. So just know that their take on sex is that teens are doing it anyways. And we need to provide them with information and with truth and with ways to be safe about it. Because no matter what we tell them, they're going to do it anyways. Right. Yeah. So there are so many issues, though, that were brought up through both the mom's therapy and the kids like talking to each other about different gender identities, different sexual identities, different things that might pop up in the bedroom or even other things about emotions and relationships and all this kind of stuff. So I just loved it. I thought it was a really good way to show how to listen to people, really. He ends up kind of not doing the therapy as much and just being like a friend who's there for somebody when they're having Mm. an issue and how to listen and how to show empathy for that. I also thought they did a great job of showing some of the issues that 
LGBT teens go through, especially transgendered ones. And I think they did that with a really gentle but informative hand, I think. I just love the relationships that they built with each other. And even the mother-son relationship, which was not perfect by all means, even though they were supposed to be the ones that had it together, you know? Right. So I loved it so much. I laughed a ton. I cried a ton. It's one of those perfect mixtures of sweet and touching and also hilarious. I will say that there is a lot of graphic sexual content. So if you are not okay with that, maybe skip this one. But I really ended up loving it. So that is Sex Education and it's on Netflix. When you began describing this, I remembered I started this show. I think I only watched the first episode and I didn't not follow through for any reason other than I just, you know, got distracted. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but the setup with the son and then the mom's the sex therapist. I was like, oh, yeah, I do know this show. I just didn't ever get back into it. So now I feel very inspired to do that. You should. It's so good. And you said it's on Netflix, right? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Mm hmm. Okay. Well, sex education on Netflix. That sounds so good. My awesome of the week this week is a podcast that came out last spring, but it just now is on my radar. Thankfully, one of our awesomes tagged me in a post in the hangout group to say like, Hey, Meg, you should go check out. Have you heard of? And if not, you should go check out the dating detectives podcast. Mm. I was not aware, Katie, that you were talking about how you just kind of like marathoned through sex education. Mm-hmm. I have been binging through the Dating Detectives podcast. So the setup for this podcast is it's hosted by two women. One of them is a comedian named Hannah Anderson, not the clothing brand. <laughs> it's her name, Hannah Anderson. And her co-host and co-founder of the podcast is Mackenzie Fultz. Now, Mackenzie Fultz has, I didn't realize this, but she has a huge social media following under her online name is Freedom Barbie. (laughs) That's so cute, (laughs) which is so funny and cute. It made me laugh. So she has over 400,000 followers on TikTok and like over 350,000 on Instagram. So she has got a lot of people are totally into what she does online. She's a licensed private investigator. Okay. That's her job is being a private investigator. So I think that she got quite a following on social media because she does this series called Stories I Can Legally Tell You that are stories from her work as a PI. Gosh, They're fascinating, let me tell you. So fascinating. She also does makeup stuff. She's one of those who does really well that thing of like, get ready with me. Like she's telling a story and she's putting her makeup on at the same time. Which I, I would feel with that. I have not. Oh even, gosh. No, no. It would be so bad. I cannot. I can <laughs> either tell you a story or I can put my makeup on. I cannot do both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She also does talk about like trauma recovery stuff. She herself is an abuse survivor, a sexual assault survivor. And so that experience in her life really informs her work as a PI. Okay. So the two of them, Mackenzie and Hannah, start this podcast called The Dating Detectives. Now, you guys, I've been married for 25 years. I have not been dating for a hot minute, (laughs) but this podcast is so good. They do a variety of things. So the starting idea of the show is to tell stories of liars, cheaters, con men, people who have, you know, broken hearts and actually caused trauma in the lives of women through lying, scamming, manipulating, And so their focus in the beginning was just kind of like to tell some of McKinsey's stories, because again, she has all of these stories as a PI. 
But as the podcast evolved and as they kind of found their sort of pace, they started bringing women on to tell their stories. And Katie, I tell you, oh my gosh, there are some wild things happening out there in the dating scene. Now, obviously not everyone, you know, because people find their true love matches via the dating world all the time. Mm -hmm. It totally happens. But there is some crazy stuff going on. I'm sure. I love that they let the women tell their own stories too. That's really neat. Yes. So they talk about, you know, there's this idea that all of us are familiar with in the internet age of catfishing, pretending Mm -hmm. to be someone you're not online. Mm -hmm. But they coined a term that they call dogfishing, which is where in person somebody presents themselves as someone that they're not and how they, you know, lie and fabricate these stories. It is so good. It is funny. I mean, it is truly funny. But also both of these women, they're girls, girls. They are out there for the women and for talking about like red flags. They do sometimes even tell stories of women who have been dog fishers, who have created some very elaborate relationship scams and done some just absolutely, like I said, just some wild things. I'm not all the way through it. I'm probably like 10 episodes in. I just cannot stop listening to it. It's so good. They even brought on a man who confessed to like, not I shouldn't say confessed to, but like he was there as a person on the show who is like in recovery for having a sex addiction. And he had cheated many times on his wife when they were married. And with him, they brought on two therapists. They were all having the conversation together. So it was so interesting to hear this man's perspective as somebody who's doing the cheating therapist talking about it. And of course, the hosts interacting. It was really, really good. So some of them are like a little bit more serious. Mm -hmm. Some of them are outrageously silly. Like one client had hired her to check up on what her husband was up to. He said he was working all these Saturdays, yet they weren't having any uptick in income or anything. And that leads Mackenzie into infiltrating a nudist colony in Florida. (laughs) Florida. Of course, it's in Florida. Well, and Mackenzie lives in Florida. So there are some very good, good stories to be told. So, yes. Anyway, it's called The Dating Detectives. If you like a sort of, you know, I like the light crime situation where, you know, no one's getting murdered or kidnapped. Mm -hmm. People are out here doing some very illegal things. If you like gossipy stories where you're just, this is so messy. Tell me everything. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds really fun. It's so, so good. So again, it's the Dating Detectives podcast. You can get it wherever you listen to podcasts. And I highly recommend it. Okay, Katie, we have many, many books to get to. And I cannot wait to dig in. I know that all of us are going to be filling up our to-be-read lists with all of this good stuff. So we're going to get to our book talk with Katie when we come right back. Okay, friends, who doesn't need a little extra help in the kitchen sometimes? I am so excited to tell you that you can kickstart your clean eating routine this October with over 80 weekly options from Green Chef. Green Chef's options include nutritionist approved and foodie approved recipes from their eight meal preferences, including the new quick and easy. Hello, who wouldn't want quick and easy? They also have calorie smart, delicious discoveries and plant based options. 
GreenShift delivers everything that you need to eat clean the easy way this fall. You can feel your best with nutritionist-approved recipes that are packed with clean ingredients that support your healthy lifestyle, and they taste great too. Green Chef sent us a variety of recipes from their family options. Now they have all kinds of eating plans and options for recipes. We chose the family one because of course we have a lot of kids and they have a lot of different tastes and preferences. Now my favorite thing in our Green Chef delivery were the beef enchiladas. I love a Tex-Mex meal and they were so good, but my kids went absolutely crazy for the chicken with basil pistou, which we had never had before. And everyone was so surprised and so happy with how it turned out. If you've been wondering about trying it for yourself or for your family, this is the perfect time to get signed up. Go to greenchef.com slash 60awesome and use code 60awesome to get 60% off plus free shipping. Again, that is greenchef.com slash 60, like the number 6060awesome and use code 60awesome to get 60% off plus free shipping. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. Okay, we are back and I have Katie Proctor, our books and reading specialist here at Sorta Awesome with me today. And Katie and I thought it would be fun just to talk about what we've been reading lately, what we've loved this year. And as you heard us say at the top of the show, this has been a stellar year for new releases, some debut authors, some favorite authors. Katie, why don't you kick us off with what you've been up to, what you've been reading? Okay, well, I feel like we can't have talk about this subject without talking about The Fourth Wing of course, by Rebecca Yaros, because yes. everybody has seen this book everywhere. This book is fascinating because there is so much hype around it so and much so much craze. So for people who haven't seen this book, it's got like this beautiful gold cover. I should have brought it because we're on video, but I forgot. But it has these sprayed black edges with dragon yes. shapes in them. It's gorgeous. And the publisher was like, we're only going to run one printing of this. And yes. so people went insane. I mean, Literally. they were sold out of every yes. bookstore. People were going to airports to shop for these books and buying five or six of them and then reselling them for like $40 on whatever. Mm-hmm. The hype was crazy. And it's still yes. even a big old stack at Costco. Now they're not pretty anymore. They have just a plain print, but people yeah. lost their minds for this book. Yes. So for those of you who have not read this book, it's about Violet. She's the daughter of a commander in this fantasy world. She wants nothing more than to be like a bookish, nerdy kind of scribe in her community. And then she gets chosen to go to a dragon riding school where Mm -hmm. she could actually die if she fails. And she has to match up with a dragon. And then she gets trained to be like a fighter for her whatever nation or whatever they are. Yeah, because there's like a war going on in the background. Is that right? Yeah, kind of. Kind of like there's conflict. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like enemies to lovers because, of course, she meets up with this guy who's grumpy and hot and does not like her right off the bat because she is, yeah. you know, thinks she's just a product of her nepotism and there for no reason. And so that's a good part of the romance. It's very steamy. It's very fun. It's very open door. I thought it was really fun. The writing is not what I would call top notch. Oh, <laughs> like interesting. Prize okay. Writing. It's fluffy. It's really fun, though. I will say like that didn't take away from my enjoyment of the story. And of course, okay. obviously, all these other people who are obsessed with it. I mean, the yes. second one's already coming out in November. And I think people right. have already pre-ordered so that we can get the pretty book. Because <laughs> yes. it's only going to print one more time. So 
I don't know what kind of like marketing PR magic these people played for this book, but they succeeded and it's good and fun and entertaining. So I liked it a lot. As we've talked about, because we talked about this briefly, I think on our summer reading list, I know that this book went absolutely bonkers on book talk over on Mm -hmm. TikTok. And in retrospect, I wonder if it was like an industry plant kind of situation. Oh, I'm sure it was. There are bookstagrammers whose entire page is dedicated to this book. You can scroll what? for like 40, 80 pictures and it's just all pictures of fourth wing like stuff that they have set up. Oh to my gosh. <laughs> I had no idea. Yes. Okay. So there's a severe obsession out there. Yeah, for sure. Book. For sure. Mm-hmm. I know that it was very hotly talked about there on TikTok for a while. Book talk on TikTok can be very funny and very fickle about Mm -hmm. what pops off and what doesn't. And I think publishers are trying to figure out what is going on. What is the secret sauce? And I really think that the thing about TikTok is if it's not really authentic and organic, people can sniff it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it always makes me wonder, like when something really pops off, like, how did this happen? Is it real? I don't know. But anyway, people are still buzzing. And I can't believe the second one's coming out already. I know. I That's think she must have had amazing. them like in the bank and then they, you know, already had it done and just figured, yeah. we'll make it a big to do. So, yeah, it's really fun. Fantasy for me has always been like a way to just escape from oh, yeah. life. And so I don't need the writing to be perfect. Like for I just sure. need the yes. story to be good and I need to care about the characters. I also think it's really fast paced and, you know, yeah. keeps you turning pages. So I really enjoyed that one. Excellent. OK, what's next? OK, so this one is not fiction. It's essays. And it's called okay. Congratulations, The Best is Over by R. Eric Thomas. Okay. Now, a couple of years ago, he wrote a book called Here For It that people were loving and it's essays. He is just really funny. Mm-hmm. This essay collection, there's some stuff about the pandemic. There's some about his marriage. He's a gay black man who's married to a pastor. And oh, okay. some of it is about them moving back to Baltimore, which is where he grew up. And so c- kind of coming home And then how that impacted his family dynamics and how that impacted just his like, he has a lot of nostalgia for growing up there. He has a lot of like, this wasn't so great. And so kind of how he's reckoning with that change. This is another one of those really perfect mashups of thoughtful and funny. And like you laugh a lot, but you also cry a little bit because there are just some really touching things that happen. And I thought I was going to be like, oh, pandemic stuff. But I actually really appreciated that. I think we're maybe far enough away for me now to yeah. be like, I can read about this and not feel anxious or anything. And I thought he did such a good job with his yes. balance of humor and thought. Okay. And tell us the name again. It's called Congratulations, The Best is Over by R. Eric oh, Thomas. Okay. And I read this one on paper. But I think he probably reads the audiobook would be my guess. And it's probably fantastic because he's funny okay. and he's great. So I would definitely recommend that one. And I love essays. Essays yeah. are so fun because you can just read a tiny little bit every day. Yes. You don't have to sit and like binge it all day long. And it's just like a little piece of joy for your day. Love an essay collection. And that one sounds so good. Thank you for bringing so that. I love essay collections so much and I feel like no one else really ever talks about them very much. And so when people do, I'm like, oh yeah, let's talk about it. I love that. Okay, Katie, I brought five books to talk about today and I'm just going to let everyone know four of the five I did read on audio. Hey, that's okay. (laughs) I didn't even look at how many I read on audio, but it's probably a lot. 
this is just where my reading life is and I love it and I make no apology for it. There's a really interesting thing happening in audiobooks right now with Spotify now releasing audiobooks as part of their premium membership, which I've had Spotify premium for years. We have the Spotify family premium because all of us listen to music so much. And I was really excited to see that they're pushing audiobooks. Spotify, they've been making this move for years now with trying to be your one-stop app for everything audio. And it's so interesting because for a number of years, if you listened to things a lot like I do, you probably went to Spotify for music. You probably went to someplace like Apple or Overcast or, you know, Pocket Cast or Stitcher for your podcasts. Mm-hmm. And then you went to Audible or maybe, you know, a library app mm-hmm. for your audiobooks. Like it was very disjointed. Like you had different places that you went for different things. And Spotify is really trying to be the place you go. So I was really interested to see them release and push this audiobook component. However, with the premium membership, your audiobook listening is you get 15 hours a month. Okay. So it renews every time your month renews, which I think for a casual audiobook listener, that'd be good. I mean, I think probably even a long novel, like you'd be hard pressed to go that much over. I mean, I'm sure Mm -hmm. some books do. Some books are going to go over 15 hours, but you could probably listen to a book a month. If you're like me, (laughs) and all you do is listen to audiobooks. (laughs) Yes. And you consume a number of audiobooks. I'm like, hmm, how does this work? Then they offer this thing where you can top off your listening hours on audiobook, but you have to pay more for that. Okay. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like in such a quandary right now. I'm going to have to see how this plays out. Do I cancel my Audible subscription, which I've had and used and loved for years? How is this all going to work? I don't know. Anyway, that's just a side note. So, you know, my two top questions are, yeah, how's the selection on Spotify? Okay, right. It is a lot of recent stuff, but it's not going to be like the brand new releases. One of the books I'm going to talk about today here in a little bit is Patrick Hines's new memoir, Failure is Not Not an Option. Like when I went to look when they first announced audiobooks, that wasn't on there yet. And that's a late September release. Okay. So it's not like brand new. However, it's not too shabby. There's like current books in there. And of course, a lot of backlist. Okay. And then my second question is, how's the functionality? Like, can you speed it up? Does the audio quality good? All of that kind of stuff. Because you know, I can't listen at 1x because it physically hurts. I know. I haven't actually pushed play on one yet. So I will report (laughs) back on that. Okay. Because I've got my books on Audible. I got to get through. Gotcha. (laughs) First, that is probably my favorite part about Audible as, and you and I've talked about this, Mm -hmm. as an audiobook experience. I don't usually listen any faster than when like 1.5-ish. But if you are going to speed it up, I feel like it has the most natural sounding speed up Mm -hmm. option, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I've listened through other apps and some of them just do not have, like it sounds sped up. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get to the first one on my list. Speaking of audiobooks, the first one I want to talk about (laughs) has a word in the title that I absolutely hate, but this book is so good. I have to talk about it. (laughs) I read this back in the summer. It's called Tough Titties and it's by Mm. Laura Belgray. Okay. It actually did release in June of 2023. And the subtitle for this book is on living your best life when you're the effing worst. (laughs) That's the literal title. I kind of love that. (laughs) So I wasn't super familiar with Laura Belgray, although she does have a pretty solid online presence. 
she's a TV writer. She used to write for Nickelodeon. She's done a ton of copy and commercial writing and was very successful at it. And now she's kind of transitioned to writing workshops. Like she teaches writers how to be a better writer. And tough titties, which again, I hate that word, but it is <laughs> funny and totally makes sense in the context, is her memoir. And it starts with her growing up in New York City and a lot of it in her early you know, childhood into teen years is like the late 70s and the 80s in New York City. So, you know, kind of when New York City was a little grittier, not as polished as we might see it today. Her parents were very typical New York City parents and that she had a ton of freedom. So she was like sneaking into Studio 54 before it was, you know, closed. Oh and has a lot of adventures and misadventures and mm -hmm. exploits. It kind of talks about how she just felt so directionless in life. And she felt like there was all these expectations on her that she just didn't know what she wanted to do. She kind of fell into, by sheer chance and lots of trial and error, becoming a TV writer, but she was really good at it and very gifted. And once she got into it, had quite a bit of success, but it's really in retrospect. And she says throughout the book, this book is not meant to be a self-help book. It's really mm. her memoir, mm. but it's also, she kind of does this tongue in cheek thing of how not to do things <laughs> I like because, <laughs> you know, these are the mistakes I made, or these are where my poor choices led me. But genuinely, it is kind of just a story of living life on your own terms and just having the courage to just not take action when you aren't really feeling inspired or compelled and just being okay with kind of treading water for a little bit until the right thing comes along. I love it's that. It's really great. It is genuinely laugh out loud, hilarious. I was laughing as I was walking my dog and listening to this, just that crazy lady on the street laughing while she's <laughs> walking her dog. It's so good. Definitely has some very poignant parts. So I highly recommend it. Again, it's called Tough Titties. It's by Laura Belgray. I 1000% say read this on audio. audio. Does she read it herself? She does. Yes. Yeah, she mm -hmm. does. And so you really get this great picture of who she is. I think all Memoir is best on audio. Mm -hmm. And this one definitely falls into that category. So that sounds so good. good. I'm going to go add that to my list right now. So <laughs> thank you. Very for good. That one. Yeah, totally. Okay. What's next on your list? Okay. So I have a mystery and I don't read a ton of mysteries, but this one's kind of like a poppy mystery. So it was fun. It's called Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers. Okay. And it's by Jesse Q. Satanto. And it's about this middle-aged Chinese woman who's running a tea shop. She is a widow and she's just super meddly in her adult son's life. And he is over it. <laughs> so, you know, she's wanting to matchmake him. She wants him to get married. He's like having none of that. Well, she comes downstairs to her tea shop one morning and there is a dead body in there. Oh, and she decides that she's going to do a better job than the police at figuring out who murdered this guy. So okay. her tea shop is not very successful. Like she has a very few number of customers. She's feeling kind of irrelevant. And I think this is kind of her shot to do something important. So all of these random people, though, start to show up like a guy shows up and he's like, you know, this guy's friend or this girl shows up and she's like, oh, I'm a podcast host about true crime and I want to learn about this. And she's like, okay. And she kind of just folds these people into her life, including the dead guy's wife and his brother oh, getting involved okay. in that story. 
And she just creates this little weird band of found family. And she does it by bringing them together and feeding them. She feeds them all the time. There's so much good Chinese food in here. Oh, my gosh. And then throughout that, we learn the story of what happened and why this man was killed and how he died and all this stuff. It's not like a dark mystery. It's kind of funny because like the guy is allergic to feathers, like bird feathers. That's one of his allergies. And so they're trying to figure out if someone killed him with bird feathers. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) So there's a lot of like random, ridiculous shenanigans that she gets into. She should not be doing any of this stuff, you know? So it's one of those fun, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening kind of situation. It's really, really good. That one's called Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers. With all of the talk of tea and if there's food in there and just a light, a light murder mystery, <laughs> right? I am 1000% into it. And yes. this one was really fun on audio. I thought that they okay. did a really good job with the audio. So just so you know that. Okay. What else? Okay. We're going to take a left turn and go real oh. dark here to oh, okay. dystopian literary fiction. It's okay. called... Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Ajibrenya. Have you seen this one? I have seen it everywhere, yes. Like a yellow cover. It's very vibrant. So this book is like Gladiator meets Hunger Games meets prison reform, social justice, kind of like Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. So that is ambitious. Yes. And he did it so well. Mm. It's incredible. So This is like a maybe near distant future America where prisoners are given the option to fight for the death gladiator style for their freedom. So they're put in like these, I don't know, squadrons or teams, and then they fight against other people who have elected to join this program. So they're not forced into it, but they have been given the choice of you stay in prison for 25 years or you do this fighting and you either die or eventually win your freedom. So they have to climb up the ranks to get to a high enough position to get out, right? It's very violent. I want to say that right now. Like this book okay. is not for HSPs. It is not for people who cannot read Thank violence. You. Thank you for the warning. <laughs> <laughs> but the way that he wrote these characters, I mean, you just love them so much. And they're criminals and they have done bad things. But you find yourself like rooting for them and loving them so much. There's also an element of entertainment in here because it's like highly televised. It's I don't know, people really like to be entertained by this. And so that's Mm -hmm. really one of the components that's kind of hard. It's like makes you feel kind of gross (laughs) because all these people are like really into being entertained by this. There's a lot to think about here, especially about what's going on in our prisons today. And there's a lot of footnotes that he puts in that have current prison stats and things that are going on in today's world, as well as what's going on in the pretend world that he made up. It's just really powerful, but it's really hard to read. So I want to make sure that people know that but it's very good. That's called Chain Gang All-Stars. Okay. I haven't read it. Thank you for the content warning. I think it sounds fantastic. And I have seen it everywhere. I think it will be on a lot of people's best of lists for the year. Mm -hmm. So if you awesomes who are listening like to kind of read the buzzy books of the year, definitely if it sounds like one that you can read with care, then it sounds like one to pick up for sure. Well, I'll take another left turn from your left turn to go back into the funny category. Because <laughs> <All right. laughs> the other one that I wanted to mention is Patrick Hines' memoir, Failure is Not Not an Option. You guys, when I interviewed Patrick, his book had not dropped yet. So I had not gotten to read it. Although I knew some of the stories from listening to the True Crime Obsessed podcast. Okay, this book, I got it on audio and Patrick reads it himself. Highly, highly recommend. So 
like if you listen to that episode and you loved his story of like the B. Arthur thing, mm-hmm. there's even more to that story that is not on the podcast episode. And that is a, just a great example of him telling these stories from his life. And it's interesting because, you know, his life could have gone a lot of directions. He grew up one of three kids of a single mom who they were absolutely financially like strapped, just really in need of resources growing up. And he was gay and it was, def- you know, it was the nineties and it was not mm-hmm. as broadly accepted as it is now. And they could have gone so many different directions. And he doesn't even like really play on that theme. You're not listening to it like, oh, I feel sorry for Patrick. No, he was having the best time. He was like making do <laughs> and like living these incredible adventures. And what I love about the way Patrick tells stories is he'll start telling a story, but then he'll be like, here's the context for that. And then he tells like a side story. It's really like you're sitting down with somebody, you know, having drinks and they're telling you a story, but you know, it's like, it winds all over the place. Like all of the stories are like that. And it's so funny and definitely very touching in some parts, especially, you know, just like a lot of coming of age and coming to embrace who you are as a gay person. and relationship stuff. There's just everything. And then it really gets into like work and just finding yourself, finding your identity, finding where you fit in the world. I don't know, Katie, I just loved it so, so, so so much. Again, I listened on audio. I would say this is one where I really do think you have to put it on at least 1.2 times speed. I think that whoever directed his production of his reading told him he has to slow down because Mm -hmm. by nature he talks really fast. So they're like, you have to slow down your pacing. So I started listening to it on just regular speed. And I was like, what is happening? It's too slow. (laughs) The pacing was very off if you just try to listen to it straight up. So you need to bump it up at least a little bit. That's just my personal recommendation on it. But it's so good. So good on audio. I'm sure it's great in print too. But again, I just think with memoir to really get Mm -hmm. a person's words and their storytelling, you are just depriving yourself if you do not do the audio experience. I agree. Okay, let's do one more from your list before we take our next break. Tell us what's next on the list. All right. So this one's romance and it's called The Seven Year Slip by Ashley Poston. So it's about Clementine and she is reeling after the death of her aunt. This aunt was like a world traveling, glamorous single woman who seemed like she just had the world at her fingertips. And Clementine inherits her apartment. However, this apartment has the habit of transporting its inhabitants back seven years in time. Okay. It does this on a whim. Like you never know when it's going to happen. So every time she leaves the apartment, she's in present time. But then when she comes back to the apartment, she's either in seven years in the past or she's in her present time. Wow. Okay. And there's a lot of bookish goodness in here because she's like a, either an editor or an agent, some kind of literary something. She works for a publisher. So there's lots of that on the side, but she comes home one day and there's this guy who's cooking in her kitchen and she's like, what the heck is happening? And she finds out that he had sublet the apartment from her aunt seven years ago. Oh, and her aunt had told her about this. Like she didn't come into this blind, but she did say like, don't ever fall in love in this apartment Mm. because it's not going to work out for you. Right. Because there's like this past thing and you never know if you're going to come back and he's going to be there or not. That's a of course, big hurdle in a relationship. She <laughs> does not listen to that advice. There's a lot of like cooking in here because he's a chef. And so she oh. follows up on him in the present time. I mean, it goes back and forth between them, like being together in 
his present, her past, and then going back to her present. So it gets a little bit, you know, complicated, but it's so sweet and so good. I loved that this isn't just a romance. You know, we've talked about romances before and how I love, and you do too, about how it's not just about the romance. There's other things that are brought into this. And so like she examines her grief, like in a raw way. And I think in a really real kind of healthy way of like, I feel this way about my aunt. I mean, they were very close, like mother, daughter, almost, you know? And so she's working through that, working through herself. She's not super happy with herself in the present, but then she is happy with who she is seven years ago with this guy, you know, it's so it kind of goes back and forth between like finding out who you are, working through grief. And then of course, there's a sweet little romance on the side. And I loved it so much. So that's called the seven year slip. Okay. And you said by Ashley Polston? It's either Poston or Poston. I should have looked that Poston up. Or, okay. That sounds so familiar. I feel it like also has a been... yellow cover. I feel like if I put all these okay. together, there would be a lot of yellow covers. For some reason, I went through a yellow cover phase. <laughs> no, it is everywhere in publishing right now. Everywhere. So, okay. And I did that one on audio too, and it was really good. Oh, so, okay. Good, good to know. Audio. Good to know. Mm-hmm. I know I love to hear that. Okay, Katie and I have even more books to share with you guys from our stacks that we've been reading and enjoying this year. We're going to get to all of that when we come right back. All right, Awesomes. I'm so excited because it's time to talk about one of my very favorite apps and my very favorite sort of awesome sponsors, and that is Rocket Money. Rocket Money is an app that I've been using for literally years now, and I do not know what I would do without it. I started using Rocket Money because it's the personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, it monitors your spending, and it helps you lower your bills, and it's all in one place. Now, I love the service they provide with helping people cancel those unwanted wanted subscriptions. Some people like myself think, oh, maybe I'm spending like 60 or $80 on subscriptions a month. When in reality, when Rocket Money took a look at my finances, oh, that number was way closer to like $200 a month in just subscriptions alone. We lose track of all of the things that we have signed up for. Rocket Money will sleuth it out for you. And not only do they find those things, they help you cancel them without you having to lift a finger. I also super love how Rocket Money just tracks my spending in general. I know how much I spent at Target last month. It's always way too much, but Rocket Money is there to tell me honestly, like this is where your money is going. With over 3 million users and counting, Rocket Money customers have saved an average of $720 a year. So you guys stop wasting money on things that you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash awesome. That's rocketmoney.com slash awesome. Rocketmoney.com slash awesome. Okay, we are back. And Katie was just sharing a romance, the seven year slip with us. I actually have a romance to share too, Katie. I briefly mentioned this somewhere. I think it was on an awesome overflow for the superstars, or maybe it was on this show. I cannot remember you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to talk about it again. And that is the true love experiment or just true love experiment by Christina Lauren. This came out in May of 2023. And I actually bought this before a plane ride and I started reading it. And then once I was done traveling, I stopped and then I went back to it and finished it. And I'm so glad that I did. It is so good. So Christina Lauren, we've talked a lot about this writing team on the show. It's one of my favorite 
writing teams in romance. And Rebecca loves Christina Lauren as well. So this is a sort of follow-up or a sequel of sorts, I guess you could say, to one of their novels called The Soulmate Equation, which I read and loved, absolutely loved. Honestly, Katie, I've never read a Christina Lauren book that I didn't love. <laughs> like, <laughs> they just nail it every time. And it's been interesting because I came to their writing kind of like later, like they had already published a ton of books mm -hmm. by the time I quote unquote discovered them. And so I've read a lot of their earlier stuff too. And it's really interesting to see how they have evolved as writers and as a team and their storylines and all of that through the years. I've read a lot of their backlist and it's all good. I love Christine Lauren books. <laughs> so like I said, it's kind of a follow-up to the soulmate equation. And some of the tropes in this book are like a Hollywood romance, opposites attract. We've got a single father storyline. One thing I really like about this book is the characters are kind of older. They're like established in their lives. They're in their 30s. Again, the male main character has a child. They're into their careers. Like sometimes in romance, I feel like it's very skewed towards early to mid 20s characters, which, yeah. you know, that's kind of just what we get in romance a lot, either rom-com movie, romance books, whatever. It kind of is centered in that new adult phase of life. Mm -hmm. But I love when the characters are like professionals and they have their careers and like that factors into their relationship yeah. dynamics. Okay. So it tells the story of Fizzy. Now, if you've read Soulmate Equation, Fizzy is the best friend of the female main character in Soulmate Equation. So here Fizzy, who was the best friend in that book, gets her own happily ever after. So Fizzy is a romance writer herself, but she's lost her spark in mm. life. She, previous to this, had loved dating around and just having a good time and just, you know, living a life of not taking romance too seriously, but she writes these great romance novels that everybody loves. Like she mm -hmm. has this huge, huge following of uh, very enthusiastic readers. But she's kind of hit a dry spell in her love life and it's affecting her work. And so she's got a deadline approaching. She's supposed to be turning in her next book and it's just not happening. Well, through a series of events, she's approached to become the lead of a new dating show. And the dating show, the concept kind of ties back to the soulmate equation. In, the, in this little universe that Christina Lauren has created, there's this app slash DNA test that you can take that will tell you how good of a match you are with people in terms of on a DNA level. Oh, <laughs> so there's right. even a little science fiction involved, <laughs> <laughs> which I really like. And that's one of the things I loved about the soulmate equation is it's kind of sciency. Like there's some real heft to the plot in, in this idea that they've created. So on the dating show, here's Fizzy. She's the lead. They have her dating in a traditional way, like the bachelor or the bachelorette. But also there's this component that there's these people that are chosen, the men that are chosen for her, the producers know like who her best match would be according to DNA. Oh. Okay, well, that's going on, except that the main romance is not with any of the men chosen for her for the show. It's with the show's producer, Connor. Oh. And so they have instant chemistry. Oh, also a concept for the show they put together is since she's a romance writer, all of the characters have to fulfill a romance trope. 
So oh, that's so fun. Yes. That's so fun. So there's like a hot nerd. There's a cinnamon <laughs> roll. They even found a vampire. Oh, all right. <laughs> <A> vampire guy. <laughs> and so as a romance reader, I feel like this book is total fan service from Christina Lauren to romance readers because it's just <laughs> so romance goodness. Okay. So anyway, she's supposed to be doing this dating show, but Connor's the producer and that's who she actually falls in love with. And you can see that the plot just mm-hmm. kind of continues on from there. Katie, this book is so good. Like it is a very, very traditional romance in that there's the falling in love, the, the instant attraction, the spiciness for sure. But then there's the side characters and like what's going on in Fizzy's life and how she's gotten to this point. There is so much plot to this that is so enjoyable in addition to the tingly feelings of the romance, which is very believable and very well done. So I hope I've sold you on it. (laughs) Yes, you have. That sounds like so much fun. Have you read The One by John Mars? No. So this is not a cute romance. It is kind of scary sci-fi, but it is like the DNA. They match you with a match. Like you send in your DNA to a service and they send you your one perfect person that you should be with. And then the two of them have to decide like, are we going to be together or are we not? And so that's like a darker version of that. Yes. It's definitely not a cute romance, but that reminded me of that. And so what an interesting way to put that and then into like a bachelor kind of show. So, right. So fun. I liked Christine yes. Warren a lot. So yeah. I'll be checking that one out. Of the five that I brought to talk about, this is the one that I read in print actually on Kindle. I have listened to romance in the past on audio. I can do it, but it's not my preferred way. I need to be able to curl up with my. Oh, you don't want to like fold laundry or scrub dishes while people are like getting on. I have done it. It's just, it's too much cognitive dissonance for me that there's regular life going on and some very sexy things happening. I can't do it. Yeah, it's real weird. And then someone's like, why are your cheeks all red? Yes, I don't know. Yes, that's exactly what happens. My cheeks will be on fire, like a little sweat breaking out on the brow. And I'm like supposed to be, you know, cooking dinner or whatever. (laughs) It's so So funny. I did read this in print. I'm sure it's great in audio, but Mm -hmm. I read it in print. So just be be aware. Yes. Okay. What's next on your list? Okay. So another left turn. This one is nonfiction and we've seen it everywhere. I know Sharon says so, talked about it on her Instagram. It's called A Fever in the Heartland, the Ku Klux Klan's plot to take over America and the woman who stopped them. Yes. I have heard so much about this. This is by Timothy Egan. He is very gifted at this genre of narrative nonfiction. So it it feels like you're reading a novel, but you're learning okay. all this history. So it's not clunky. I mean, it's very well researched. You can tell because there's all these notes and stuff. But the way that he put the story together is really in a narrative fashion. Mm-hmm. The chapters are really short, which I was like, awesome. I love short chapters. So I'm like, I will keep reading a book if it has short chapters all the yeah. time. This one... Details the creation of the KKK and then also its resurgence in the 1930s, especially in the state of Indiana, which I obviously have not studied that much about the KKK. But when I think of the KKK, I think of the South and not necessarily Northern United States, but they were really everywhere. And so he follows this one storyline with this grand dragon in Indiana and just like the worst piece of garbage Mm. human that you can imagine. But he talks about the way that the KKK hid behind like family values and 
Christianity and Mm -hmm. patriotism. And then they did all of those horrible things that they did under the guise of that. And the way that they infiltrated churches. I mean, they went to churches and paid pastors to preach their stuff. Oh my God. From the pulpit. So you have, you know, just your regular everyday Christian people going to church, hearing this from their pastors about white supremacy and about anti-Semitism and all of the things that they were preaching. And so I think he did a really good job of showing how this small and hateful group really grew huge, really by their PR, like who they Mm. talked to, who they got to promote them, how they brought people into their folds. They talked about they had like KK kitties that would dress little tiny kids who would dress up in KKK and, you know, uniforms and march in the parades. There was a whole branch of women who were in the KKK and like they did their own thing. And so the best thing that he did here was to just show that the leadership of the KKK was absolutely not following any of their principles that they preached so hard. They were hard into alcohol and drugs and sexual Mm. abuse of women and fidelity and all of that kind of stuff. Well, seemingly on the outside, looking like they were the perfect Mm. picture of these people. Right. And so at one point, it kind of switches from the narrative nonfiction almost to a true crime situation because there's a young woman who gets roped into their organization somehow as like a secretary or something that she was doing something and the guy takes an interest in her. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you can imagine there's like a lot of sexual assault, like awful, awful things. But there was a point, I think it was like 60% in the book where I did not put it down till I was done. Because the way that he was writing it and I wanted to find out what was going to happen to this woman and then what happened to the KKK as a whole. And Mm -hmm. it ended up being the downfall of their whole organization was this one incident. Wow. Especially the Indiana branch of it. So it was just so well written. I think it's a really important book for us to read and learn about how things that like on the outset were like, I don't agree with that at all. But you can see how people were brought in by being lied to almost or by being preached at by people that they trusted and all that kind of stuff. And so it's really well done. It's really hard to read. So that's my second really well done, but really hard to read book that I brought today. Thank you for bringing that. So important. I've heard so much good buzz about this book and to take a subject matter that is that dark Mm -hmm. and that disturbing but also to be able to make it so compelling and so readable, as you were saying, mm-hmm. like you just hit a point where you're like, I've got to keep going. I want to keep going. Yeah, That's a true talent, really, to be able to to capture the stories in that way. So, my goodness, thank you for bringing that. Now I feel, yeah. <laughs> feel a little sheepish about my selection. <laughs> there are no judgment that. here. We are no, just going okay. back. That's true. We're <laughs> just judgment free, judgment free zone. Okay. Well, my next one is called The September House, and it's by Carissa Orlando. And I think this is a debut novel. I'm not 100% sure. I should have double-checked. I should have fact-checked myself on that. I think it is her debut. It's called The September House. It came out on September 5th, and it is a horror book. Ooh, It's got a lot of dark humor in it as well. It's so funny because you mentioned the HSP, the highly sensitive person component earlier. I myself, extremely highly sensitive. (laughs) But I love reading the horror genre. Now, I feel like if it's more like realistic pain and suffering, like you were talking about with dystopia, like I don't think I ever really read dystopia Mm -hmm. because there's just something about it that just feels more real, even though it's obviously pretty fictional universes usually. But horror 
is just enough paranormal for me that I feel like I really like it. It doesn't bother me as much. I don't know. Please, someone who has psychology background, dissect me. Tell me. <laughs> well, it's probably just because it's not possible in real life, right? You're not yeah. like reading about serial killers. You're reading about ghosts. Right. So. Exactly. Exactly. And this is very much about ghosts. Okay. So okay. the setup for the September house is the main character's name is Margaret. And she and her husband save for a long time to be able to buy this Victorian house that she's wanted for years. It finally comes up for sale at a really reasonable price. Like, how could this beautiful home be so reasonably priced? Well, they buy it and they make it their own. Well, here's one thing about this Victorian house. Every September, the house is wildly haunted. The walls drip blood. (laughs) Right? And all of these ghosts of former inhabitants of this house appear. And there is something in the basement that some of the ghosts are trying to tell them about. So most people would be like, okay, this is crazy. Like they would have one September in the house and be like, yeah, no, I'm out. But (laughs) not Margaret. Margaret is determined to stay. She's like, no, this is my house. Who cares? It's only one month out of the year that it's haunted. And so she's determined to stay. Well, after four years in the house, her husband, Hal, is like, I can't take it anymore. And he leaves abruptly. And their daughter, Catherine, who is an adult by now and doesn't know anything. They buy this house when they're in their 50s. Like she's already out of the house. She doesn't know anything about the September hauntings. She just shows up because she can't get a hold of her father. But she shows up in September. And so then she is discovering all of these things about you. Like you see it through Catherine's eyes, all of these hauntings that are happening. It is very gory. You know, a lot of what horror as a genre deals with is this idea of madness. I know we're trying to move away from the word crazy, but it really grapples with the idea of, am I crazy or are these things really happening? Like The Shining. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It really invites the reader to go along this journey with the characters to determine like, is this really happening or are we going crazy? One of the things I loved about the September house is all of the ghosts kind of have their own little backstory. Like it's not a huge feature of the plot because you're really trying to figure out what happened to Hal. Where Mm -hmm. is he? Does it have something to do with the house? And then the ghosts that come along, they all have their stories. And so it's really interesting because it's grappling with a lot of bigger issues that are like very common to the human experience. It's really, really good. It's extremely readable. Again, I read it on audio. I wouldn't say that the audio production was just brilliant or anything, but it was good. Like if you just Mm want to hear someone just read the book to you, like it's a good production. I think it would be excellent in print as well. And I just can't stop thinking about it. It's really good. And again, I will say, if you don't like the horror genre, like if blood and gore and murdery things, if that really bothers you, I I don't know that you would love this. But if you've never really read horror and you're open to it, I think this would be a great first book from the horror genre to pick up because it does the spooky, scary thing. But just like really good horror, like really makes you think about the human experience. Mm -hmm. She does a fantastic job with that. So again, it's called The September House and it is by Carissa Orlando. And it just came out in September. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. So my next book is called Shark Heart by Emily Haybeck. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is literary fiction. I'm sure you've seen this cover. It's green. And then there's a giant shark made out of flowers on the front. So this one is about Ren and Lewis, who less than a year into their marriage, find out that Lewis is morphing, changing into a great white shark. And mm-hmm. it's going to be a very fast change. And I mean, they're just going to have to deal with it. Now, in this world that she's created, this is normal for people to change into animals. Like at one point, there's a woman who's pregnant with birds. Mm -hmm. There's another backstory where there's another character that like changes into a Komodo dragon (laughs) in her life. And I mean, I think that's the thing about literary fiction. It's not unusual in literary fiction to have these plot devices or these universes where you just have to accept like this is just the world that we live in. It's not meant to be like fantasy. It's still literary fiction. but the construct is just really different. Yeah. So you fall in love with these people. I mean, Ren is really, she's a good human. She's sweet. Her husband is a drama teacher. There's an R-Town tie-in, which I will get to that later because there's another book with an R-Town tie-in that I loved, loved, loved. But when he started doing R-Town with his class, I was like, oh my gosh, I did feel like this book was very strange. I mean, it's strange. You have to go into this book knowing that it is just bizarre. I mean, a man turning into a shark, you're like, okay. But before I read it, I heard a lot of people talking about it and saw people talking about it through the lens of mental illness or terminal illness. And so I went into the book thinking about that, which gave me a little bit, I think, of a different lens in reading it because I wasn't like, this isn't really about a shark. Like, this is about something else. And so as soon as I finished, I was like, I have no idea how I feel about this. I think my Goodreads review says this was weird and I don't know how I feel about it. But... As I've kind of given it some time to marinate, I think that it has stuck with me in ways of like how you deal with things when someone that you love so close to you is terminally ill or what you do with a diagnosis and how you care for them. I mean, there's a period of time in the book where she's taking care of him with all these weird needs, like he needs to be in a pool in the backyard. You know, she needs to be feeding him all this strange stuff that she wouldn't be normally. And so... Just that picture of her tenderness and care and then also hearing from him because we get to hear from him about what it feels like to go through that change. And so I had to give it some time. I had to give it some space and some time, but I really think about it a lot. It's taking up space in my head, which shows me that it was a really well done book and gave me a lot to think about in that. And it's a really fast read. I mean, the chapters Mm -hmm. are super short. You keep reading because you're like, I need to find out (laughs) what is going to happen with these people. And you just get really invested in their story. So that was Shark Heart by Emily Habeck. And I know our Laura Tremaine loved it so much. And she got to interview the author. And so it's a big one for the summer too. So Emily Habeck is from our hometown, Mm -hmm. which is how it kind of came across Laura's radar. And so she got to do that book event and kind of talk to her more about it. And so, yeah, I just think it's so fascinating and such an absolutely original concept for storytelling. So I have that book in print because it's one of the most beautiful book covers I've Mm -hmm. ever seen. And I just haven't gotten to it yet. So I plan to very soon. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on it. Okay. What else is on your list? 
Okay, so this one is another literary fiction. It's called The Covenant of Water by Abraham Verghese. And I talked to you about this, I think, over our summer one, because I was like, I really want to read it over the summer. So I did. I took it on our three-week-long road trip that we did with the kids. And it is almost 800 pages. We were talking about audio and you were like 15 hours of audio. Oh, yeah. 31 hours on audio. Okay. What? It's very long. And I ended up actually doing this one like half on paper and half on audio because this one, sometimes when fiction authors read their own books, you're like, oh, this is going to be bad. But Mm. he has the most beautiful voice. Okay. He is Indian, but he also has like a British accent. And so you hear this story through his words. And so I really did flip back and forth. Like if we were on the road, I could read. And if we were doing something else, I could listen. And so I kind of just did it both ways. This is like sweeping, epic, multi-generational family storytelling. So it's not necessarily like super plot driven, but you are invested in this family from almost the beginning. Okay. It starts in India. There's a child bride leaving her family home to go be married to an older man who already has a child who's widowed. Suddenly she becomes a mother to this child and the lady of the house. I don't want you to think that anything like weird happens with this child bride. Like this man is Mm -hmm. very respectful and waits until she's old enough to, Mm -hmm. you know, consummate the marriage and all of that kind of stuff. Because at first I was like, ew. But then (laughs) it's like, no, no, this guy's okay. So she becomes this what they call her big amachi, which means big mother in the house. Mm -hmm. And so she ends Mm -hmm. up kind of running this estate. They have land and they have people that are working for them. And she's like the matriarch of all matriarchs. Like you just love her. She is powerful and she is strong and she is smart and she is loving. And she's just all of these things put into this one character. And then we get to see how the home changes, how the land changes, how the area changes throughout three generations of her family. And so Mm -hmm. there's lots of like medical pieces to this. She has a child that has some developmental delays that we get to see how in like, this is like 1900s, 1930s, how that looked in India. There's a part with a leper colony where there's a doctor from Ireland who comes in and like helps run a leper colony. And then all of these different storylines kind of come together at one point. And so you're kind of like you're in one story and then you get thrown into another one and then you see how they all converge by the end. I was never bored in this book. Okay. Never once was I like, this is boring. And it was, I mean, 800 pages 800 is a lot. pages? Yes. I mean, it's huge. But I will say like his sentence level writing. And one of the reasons I wanted to buy the book and have it in front of me is because sometimes you just like stop and you're like, dang, that was a good sentence, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the English mm-hmm. teacher in me is like, this man is incredible. Mm-hmm. And th- it, it took him forever to write this book. I mean, the last book he put out was over 10 years ago. And it was well, another yeah. great one called Cutting for Stone. But yes. I mean, it took yeah. him so long to write this one. And you can tell that he took so much care with every single piece that he put into this book. And so I just yes. think it's really incredible. If you want to just get lost in like, sometimes I just like to get lost in a story that's going to take me forever to get through because if you get so invested and love these people like they're your own people. So yes. I love that one. The Covenant of Water. So many people have raved about this book. It seems like could be one of those where people are like all time life favorite books Mm. like this is on that list. So sounds fantastic. Okay, my last one I wanted to talk about just came out this month. I am so on top of things. You are. I don't even know how this came across my radar. I don't know if it was on TikTok or if I saw it in a newsletter, but it's called Woke Up Like This and it's by Amy Lee and it came out on October 1st. and. When I describe this to you, you're going to think, oh, so it's 13 going on 30. That's a similar concept. And it's young adult. 
Okay. Our main character is, well, kind of. It's kind of young adult, kind of not. I'll explain for a second, <laughs> okay. in a second. Charlotte Wu is our main character. And when the book opens, I actually haven't finished this one, but I'm loving it okay. so much that I preemptively put it on this list because it is what <laughs> I am actually currently reading. So Charlotte Wu is a high school senior. And in a very typical teenage trope way, her whole everything she has been living for and looking forward to her senior prom. And we start when the prom is just, you know, like days away. It's coming up. It's on the horizon. And she's like centered like her whole high school experience around senior prom. She's also very high achieving, you know, is determined to succeed in life, all of these things. But she has an arch nemesis, a guy named JT Renner, whom she calls Renner. And they are enemies ever since he had asked her to homecoming when they were freshmen. And then he stood her up and it has just set off this four year long. They are just at odds all the time. They fight all the time. So what they are decorating for prom and Charlotte falls off of a ladder and lands on Renner. Okay. They wake up later in bed together. They are 30 years old and they are engaged to each other. (laughs) So it's like a reverse 13 going on 30? Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) It's just that idea that time travel trope of the two of them, like they're still 17 in their minds, but they are in 30-year-old bodies and they have 30-year-old lives. They're adults. They have to make adult decisions. And so it's kind of this really fun look at how when you're 17-year-old, first of all, you think adulthood is going to be so different for you than it was for like, you look at your parents and you're like, I'm never going to live a life like that. (laughs) And you also kind of think adults just have everything figured out. And then it kind of transports them into the future. where it's like, no, adults, we don't know what we're doing. We're still just trying to figure things out all the time. And so I really like it. It's an updated version of this trope. And again, this is actually published by, I didn't know Mindy Kaling has a publishing imprint. Oh, fun. But it's published by Mindy Kaling's. I don't know that it's a full publishing house, but she has like Mindy's books. And so she even does it. She writes an intro for it. But it's kind of that 13 going on 30 idea of the dissonance between adulthood and and being a teenager. But it's updated. There's a much better diversity of the cast of characters that they're friends with. And I think brings into the conversation like real life issues that teens really deal with. The main character, Charlotte, is not so perfect that she's unrelatable. Like she struggles a lot with body issue. Mm -hmm. She's Asian. And so she you know, is kind of navigating what that means in her group of friends and in the greater culture. And I don't know, it's just, it's so good. If you like that kind of magical view of coming of age, but there's a twist, Mm -hmm. I think that you would really like Woke Up This Way. Again, it's by Amy Lee. And I haven't finished it. I am reading it on audio. It's very good on audio so far. And I'm really into it. Well, I was going to ask, where did you get it on audio? Because after you sent me your list, I looked on all of my audio apps, which is a lot of them, and I cannot find it anywhere. Oh, (laughs) I'm just listening on Audible. Audible. Okay. Hmm. I wonder if it's like an Audible original because I literally cannot find it anywhere. It might be an Audible exclusive or I know sometimes I know the audiobook situation is like very complicated and very political (laughs) on the back end. Sometimes Audible has exclusive rights for a while. 
and then and they then, release it. Yeah, it can okay. be released more broadly. So okay, well, I know for sure so it's on good. I so, want to read yeah. it. Sounds so good. I love 13 going on 30. So this sounds Oh, you'll love so this. Good. You'll love good. it. Okay. We, I think you have just a few more left for us. Yes, so let's I have hear two them. more. Okay. So my next one is Love Theoretically by Allie Hazelwood. So she wrote The Love Hypothesis a few years ago, and she's written a bunch since. And she's known for her romance with like a STEM adjacent kind of setting. So this one is about Elsie and she's an adjunct physics professor and adjunct professors don't make a lot of money and they're often treated very poorly within the academic community because they're not like full professors tenured. They're kind of given like the classes that nobody wants to teach Mm -hmm. and it's just not a very stable job for her. So on the side, she has a gig as a professional girlfriend. So she works on this app and people hire her to like show up to weddings or baby showers or whatever to like be the girlfriend so that these guys' moms can get off their back about having a girlfriend, right? She doesn't tell them anything about her personal life. So she's very closed off with her clients for good Mm -hmm. reason. I mean, she wants to keep her anonymity. Yeah. And then she gets an opportunity to interview for a position at MIT. That would be a huge step up in her career. But she shows up and on the interviewing committee is her favorite client's hot, grouchy older brother who has never expressed an interest in her at all. In fact, he's been overly surly and grouchy with her because he can see right through her, their fake relationship kind of situation. Oh, really? Okay. So he's her favorite client and they, like she does repeat appearances. Yeah. Yeah. The brother. Mm -hmm. And she does repeat appearances for family events and stuff like that. Oh, interesting. Okay. So she has to convince this guy to give her this job at MIT. And all of these things are stacked up against her, including the fact that they already know who they want to hire, you know, and she's this Mm -hmm. woman and So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of like exploration of women in STEM and academia and all that kind of stuff. And then there's this really tense and like sultry romance with this hot grouchy also physics professor man. (laughs) So there's a lot going on in it. it. And I thought it was really fun and steamy. I did listen to this one on audio because I just wanted something like I could pop into my ears and not pay attention to anything. But I thought it was really fun. She does a good job of balancing the more serious parts of it, I think, with the fun, steamy parts. So I like that. Good. And it's Allie Hazelwood. And what's the name of it again? Love Theoretically. It's a yellow cover. It's another yellow cover. So so many yellow covers. Yes. Okay. Last one. What did you bring for us? I saved my very favorite book of the whole year for the last spot right here. And it is Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. So I've talked about Ann Patchett a lot on here, probably because I've talked about her essays. She has two essay collections that I have absolutely loved. But then I tried to get into some of her fiction and I had not had very good luck with it. Like she's obviously such a good writer, but some of the ways that she ends her fiction stories, I was like, I don't like this. The ending like ruined the whole thing for me. So I was like, I'm just going to read Ann Patchett nonfiction. But then this one came out. It's called Tom Lake. It's got a gorgeous cover with all these flowers on it. And I think I read a synopsis and then my indie bookstore was like, oh, we have signed copies. And I was like, well, I need a book today. So I literally drove over there, bought a signed copy of it. and. I don't usually start a book right when I buy it, but this one I did. I started it right when I bought it. So the setup is that it's the pandemic and Laura and her husband, Joe, live on this cherry orchard farm in Michigan. And their three adult daughters have come back to help them with the harvest because most of their workers are gone and they're having to figure that out. So the three adult daughters have come back and they want their mom to tell them the story of when she fell in love and dated this famous movie star when she was younger. So we back up all the way to her when she's 
a middle school high schooler. And she oh. gets cast as Emily in our town. Oh, okay. And so she plays this part and she plays it so well. I mean, she wasn't even supposed to be auditioning. She was like randomly there as helping with the theater production, mm-hmm. passing out the things. And she hated all the Emilys. And she had heard it so much that she just hopped up on stage and auditioned for Emily. And they're like, you're our Emily. So oh, wow. throughout her career, then she goes on to audition and move to New York and all the things. But then she gets cast as Emily. In a summer production in this little tiny town in Michigan, they do like a big theater thing. So they're running our town and they want her to be in this other play as well. And so in that, her counterpart is this man who ends up being a famous movie star. And they end up kind of dating and doing the things that, you know, young people do in the summertime. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. she's telling the girls this story. And every once in a while, she'll kind of like, as an aside to the reader, be like, I didn't tell the girls that part. You know, so it's (laughs) it's so cute. And it bounces back and forth between the present time and they're on their farm and as together as a family. And then her past as as she's unfolding the story. I just loved it so much. It's a really quiet book. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that it's very plot driven. There are things that happen and you don't want to stop reading because you do want to find out like everything is just slowly revealed as you go Mm -hmm. on. But the way that she describes this place and her family and their relationships. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about this book so many times with so many people. Anne Patchett does not have kids of her own. Like she writes Mm -hmm. about that very frankly, that she chose not to have kids. But the way that she wrote this relationship with these daughters and their Mm -hmm. mom and even their dad, like it's so, so lovely. I loved every single bit of it. I read it on paper because, and I know this is controversial because Meryl Streep read the audio and everyone's like, oh, you have to read it on audio because Meryl Streep did it. But now I've seen people come back and say like, Meryl Streep kind of ruined it for me because I was so into it being Meryl Streep that I didn't like listen to the story. And so I'm glad I read it on paper. Also, her sentence level writing is just really magical too. Like she does things so well. She like throws in these little things that you're like, oh, I need to pay attention to that. And so this, the way she constructed this book was so beautiful. And I don't think I've ever done this before. I was literally in the middle of reading it. And she was talking so much about Our Town. And I've never read Our Town or seen it. Mm-hmm. And so I put my book down. I was like, bye, I got to go run an errand. Ran to Barnes & Noble, got a copy of Our Town and brought it home, like in the middle of this book. And oh so gosh. that I read Our Town, which is very short. I mean, it's like a play. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. three yes. acts. And it's yeah. also, Our Town is also very quiet and lovely and just about being a human, right? It's like Mm -hmm. about being born and being in a family and being a child and growing up and all the things that happen in life. And so I felt like she did such a good job of putting those stories together of like Mm. our town, the play, and then her life as the actress of that, the the star of the play, and then what came after in her life. Mm. And so I just loved it so much. And I do think there are some people who are not ready for pandemic literature, which is totally fine. I did okay with it. I did great with it, obviously, because I loved it. But I was really lucky to have an actually okay pandemic experience because I Mm -hmm. was already home with my kids and they were, you know, two and four or two and five. And so they could self-entertain. And I was kind of homeschooling for a little bit, but it was very loose, loosey goosey. Mm -hmm. You know, we Mm -hmm. had like these really slow, days and wake up slow and drink your coffee and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the kids played and they didn't even really know what was going on, really. I mean, they were at that age that was like, they didn't feel the stress or whatever of the rest of the world. And now I find that I'm back to work and my kids are getting bigger and it's busy. Mm -hmm. And so this book kind of was a breath of slow air, (laughs) like just to calm down and 
remembered what it was like to just go slower because I feel like yes. now we're just fighting against that again, right? We're back in it. Yes. Yeah. I just loved it so much. It's going to be one of my favorite books probably for all times. I have told us so many people to read it because I just love it. And yes. I do think it's universally loved. I do think there are some people who like could not handle the pandemic part or thought it was, right. you know, had it kind of too privileged of a bent. But I thought it was just mm. a lovely story of a family and these girls. And anyways, I loved it so much. So that's Tom Lake so by Ann Patchett. Okay. Katie, thank you so much. You always bring such great stuff for us. I feel like you just hand curate things that the awesomes are going to love or have loved or are loving. So as always, thank you so much for bringing such good reading stuff and inspiration. And as a reminder, if we want to follow along with you in real time as you're discovering new great reads, where can we find you all around the web? So I actually changed my Instagram handle just to Katie Proctor Books because it was too long before. So Katie Proctor Books, and I just usually put up all the things that I'm reading. Okay, awesome. You can find me on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show by searching Sorta Awesome wherever you are. Again, come find us on Facebook in the Sorta Awesome Hangout. We would love to have you there. Katie, thank you again. And Awesomes, thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.